Now, next up, we have the Raw Tag Team Championship match between The Revival and The Usos. The Revival defeat The Usos to retain their Raw Tag Team Championships. WWE fans have long considered The Usos and The Revival the two best tag teams in the company, and for good reason. The Usos are as dynamic and offensive team as there is, and The Revival effectively utilize old-school heel tag team mentality. While the build to this match was a bit lacking, there was no denying its potential inside the ropes. This was a classic tag team wrestling match between two stylistically different teams. The styles meshed well together, though, and the final product was enjoyable. So listen, once again, I agree with ESPN here. You have The Revival, who really use the old-school heel tag team mentality. They're like the old-school tag team right now. But then you have the Usos, who are so energetic and focused on the present, and they're so athletic and all that. So you have literally two different teams that have completely different styles, but somehow all of it just really blended very well together. If you watch this match very closely, you can tell that everything ran very smoothly. And I love how you had all four of these men, every time they were tagged in, you got something different. It was never the same thing happening repeatedly. It was always something else being brought to the table when someone else was tagged into the match. Therefore, I'm going to give this one a solid 4 out of 5. Now, it's missing that one point because, like I said, the storyline and the build to this match was lacking. It was a bit lacking. And, and there was no, like, I guess you can say, excitement building up towards this match. Because WWE really, like, didn't... They didn't build this match up very well. They didn't really add any exclusive content that made us want to actually watch this match. However, the match itself was fantastic, but the build to the match really was lacking just something. It was lacking some, I'm, I'm gonna say energy, but it was just lacking more story and more of a backstory, more emotion. It was lacking that. It was just like um, a, uh, an emotionless type of story, an emotionless build. That's why it gets that 4 out of 5 from me. But anyway, moving on, we have Aleister Black versus Cesaro in a non-title match. Aleister Black defeated Cesaro in this match. Back on TV for the first time since mid-April, Aleister Black has been rebranded a little bit more sadistic, perhaps a little bit more psychotic, than during the time he spent teaming up with Ricochet. Perhaps the wait was worth it, as Black really hasn't had a chance to shine as a singles competitor since being called up to the main roster. There was a lot to like in this match. You had strength, balance, mat wrestling, but the striking sequences stood out more than anything. Here's to hoping that there's more matches between these two to come. Alright, so, like I said, there was a lot to like about this match. This match was very well done. Both of these competitors really showed what they can do, showed what they're capable of, and that's why it was worth being in the main club. And I kind of feel like Aleister Black was like, this was like his second debut. And I'm saying second debut because the first time he debuted was alongside Ricochet, and that was months ago. But then you had that whole, you know, please challenge me, knock on the door and challenge me segment, right? That we talked about, and then it was Cesaro that challenged him and all that. Remember that? So basically, this is like 
Alistair Black's second debut as a as a different persona, as a different character. So I really like the way that Alistair Black is being rebranded here. I really like that because at this point, you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know if he's going to change his new persona or keep it the way it is for a couple more months. I don't know. Now, with that being said, I'm going to give this match a solid four no, not a solid four. This match is going to get that five out of five from me because the build to the match was pretty well done, if you ask me, especially because we didn't know, remember, who knocked on the door, who challenged Aleister Black, remember all that? We didn't know. We found out later that it was Cesaro. So the build to this match was very well done, and you had some really good talent in this match. Obviously, Cesaro and Aleister Black, I'm hoping that we get more matches like this between these two. But until then, we're going to move on to the next match in the pay-per-view. The handicap match for the SmackDown Women's Championship between Bayley versus Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. The key component to this Bayley and Alexa Bliss rivalry has been Nikki Cross. Cross, who has been my Bliss's side for weeks and has been doing much of her dirty work, she actually earned Bliss a spot in this match by defeating Bayley earlier. She also earned the right to name a stipulation for the match by winning a beat-the-clock challenge on Raw just the past week before. The most impressive aspect of this match was the solid teamwork displayed by Bliss and Cross. Their psychology game worked well. The overall product left a bit to be desired, though. Okay, so I agree with that. When you were watching this match, it kind of, it didn't end, you know, too early or too late. The timing of everything was pretty well done. However... At the end of the match, it just left you wanting more. It left you kind of craving more of the storyline and wanting to see what's going to happen next. Therefore, I'm going to give this match a 5 out of 5 because if you can have a match that makes the viewers want to see more and want to see what happens next, then that means that the performers did an exceptional job in the match. Therefore, this match gets a solid 5 out of 5 from me. Moving on, we have the last man standing match between Braun Strowman and Bobby Lashley. Strowman defeated Lashley in this last man standing match. You know what you're going to get between Bobby Lashley and Braun Strowman? Power, athleticism, and the occasional wow moment like a couple weeks ago when Strowman speared Lashley through the LED boards. Still, the issue with both is that neither has a clear trajectory to jump to the next level and compete with say, Seth Rollins, Drew McIntyre, or even Brock Lesnar for that matter. As expected, this was a brawl and a fun one at that. Last man standing matches allow for a gradual build towards a big spot, and that's what we got here. Great effort out of both Strowman and Lashley. Okay, so moving, or not moving on, going back to when I said none of these men have, you know, a clear trajectory to jump to the next level and compete with Seth Rollins, Brock Lesnar, Drew McIntyre. Listen, what I mean by that is just imagine Brock Lesnar versus Braun Strowman. Just imagine how good that match would be. You know what I mean? Or, you know, Bobby Lashley versus Seth Rollins. Just imagine how good that one would be. You know, you really have to look past their current storyline and think about what can be in the future for both of these men when they're finally finished with their current storyline that they have here. Now, what I mean by that is, you know, both of these men are worthy and able, and they have the potential to go against one or more of the men that I just said, Seth Rollins, Drew McIntyre, Brock Lesnar, and so on and so forth. 
both Braun Strowman and, and Bobby Lashley, they have the potential of going against these men and really making a bigger name for themselves and really delivering a huge, fantastic match, possibly even at a pay-per-view. We can probably see Braun Strowman versus Brock Lesnar in a pay-per-view. Just imagine how good that would be. So what I'm saying here is the current storyline that they have with each other right now is really not benefiting these men because they can do so much more for themselves. They, they could have gone against Seth, Drew, or Brock. They could have gone against bigger names in the company. Not only would that have made a bigger name for themselves, but it would just show their potential and their worth in this company. With that being said, I'm going to give this match a 3.5 out of 5, mainly because I don't even remember what caused this whole storyline. I don't, I don't remember where this whole backstory and storyline is from. I seriously don't, if you ask me. Now, with that being said, that means that their storyline needs some help, too. When they literally have a tug of war um, on live television a couple weeks ago, are you kidding me? That just, that puts their storyline and makes it look like it's a joke. That's not what you want. You have two of the, I'm going to say, the most toughest men. If not the most toughest, then probably the second most toughest men in the industry right now. Why are they playing tug of war with each other? You know what I mean? That's what I'm saying here, that their storyline needs help. That's why it got that rating from me. Now, next in line, we have the Triple Threat Tag Team Match for the WWE SmackDown Tag Team Championships. We have the New Day's Big E and Xavier Woods, and they actually defeated Daniel Bryan and Rowan and Heavy Machinery. Now, the three teams involved in that night's SmackDown Tag Team Championship match have brought life to the tag team division on Tuesday nights. Daniel Bryan and Rowan, the former champs, delivered each week after week from both a promo and a work rate perspective. And Heavy Machinery has become as lively a duo as we've seen in some time, and the New Day have maintained their status as the premier team in the company as it pertains to pure entertainment. Who would walk out of Philadelphia atop the SmackDown tag team divisions? Okay, listen. This match was full of chaos, and all three teams shined as a result. Filled with well-timed spots, this was a highly entertaining championship bout, and I agree with that. Listen, if you watch this match, you can definitely tell that every single performer out of the six that were in this match really brought something new to the table when they were tagged in. And this kind of goes back to the previous tag team match that we saw for the Raw Tag Team Championships. You know, as I discussed earlier, everybody brought something new to the table. And that the same goes here as well, you know. You have Big E and Xavier Woods delivering all the energy and the, I guess you can say, entertainment and the fun in this match. So that's what they brought to the table. And then you have Daniel Bryan and Rowan bringing in their heel persona and character, bringing in their power, especially Rowan, you know. And then you have Heavy Machinery. You have Otis being all funny and crazy. Then you have Tucker really bringing in that new level of power, right? Um, that's what I mean when I'm saying that everybody brought something new to the table. Like I said with the um, Raw Tag Team Championship match, everybody brought something new to the table. It was There was never a time when there was like a tag-in and it was just the same old thing being repeated over and over again. Everybody brought something new to the ring. 
everybody did something different that got the crowd more and more invested. That's why this is getting a solid 5 out of 5 from me. Solid 5 out of 5. Because every single man in this match did something different and brought something different to the table to really make this match all the more better. Next in line, we have the United States Championship match between AJ Styles and Ricochet. AJ Styles defeated Ricochet in this amazing match, to say the least. The realignment with the club has given AJ Styles not only a reminder of his past success, but a fresh outlook moving forward. As successful as Styles, a perennial champ, has been since moving over to the WWE, he needed this character overhaul. Despite the crowd inexplicably falling asleep for the majority of the match, Styles and Ricochet displayed some incredible chemistry and delivered a great match with a memorable second rope Styles clash as the cherry on top. Okay, so the crowd was really falling asleep during this match. I don't know why, but the crowd just kept getting more quiet and quiet and quiet as the match progressed. Listen, you have Ricochet's incredible athleticism and incredible talent in the ring. And then you have AJ Styles, well known for being literally one of the best wrestlers right now in the business. Why was this crowd, you know, falling asleep during such a huge match like this? I'm not sure, but in terms of the match itself, I'm going to have to give this one a 5 out of 5 because both of these men delivered, both of these men were unique. Like I said, Ricochet with his athleticism and then you had AJ Styles with his just incredible pure talent all joining together and making a huge, great match. Now with that being said, it gets that 5 out of 5 rating from me. Moving on, we have Kevin Owens versus Dolph Ziggler. Okay, so... There was not much to rate here. Despite the potential for a great match, it lasted mere seconds and was more of a tool to escalate the impending KO and Shane McMahon rivalry. Therefore, the match itself literally gets a zero, 0 0.5. I'm going to give it a 0 0.5 out of 5. The reason it gets such a low rating is because within seconds after the bell rang, Kevin Owens hit a stunner to Dolph Ziggler and earned the victory. So literally it was like 10 seconds long, maybe even like 15 seconds long max, you know, for the victory. So with that being said, it gets the 0 0.5 out of 5 and I don't feel bad whatsoever for giving that low rating. However, Owens grabbed a mic after the match and continued his verbal attack on Shane McMahon. Their paths seem likely to cross in the coming weeks on SmackDown. Now listen, okay, like I said, the match itself was really bad because it, d it doesn't even count as a match, you know what I mean? But what happened after the match, when Kevin Owens was hitting the mic and, you know, really said all that stuff about Shane McMahon, it was like what we've always wanted to say about Shane McMahon, how we didn't want him on our screens every single day, how other talent deserves a chance, how it just doesn't make sense how much time he's getting on the TV and everything. That's basically what Kevin Owens said, what a lot of us have been wanting to say for so long. Therefore, for the mic part in that little segment, I'm going to give that a 5 out of 5, just because Kevin Owens said Kevin Owens said what we've wanted to say, so he gets a 5 out of 5, easily, but the match itself, 0 0.5 out of 5, not good. The WWE Championship match between Kofi Kingston and Samoa Joe. Kofi Kingston's WWE Championship reign has been a successful one, with victories over Kevin Owens and Dolph Ziggler following his WrestleMania win over Daniel Bryan. At Extreme Rules, however, Kingston found himself matched up with his most menacing threat yet, as the ultra-intense Samojo looked to follow up his two U.S. championship reigns with his first WWE championship victory. 
The match had its moments, but it never shifted into that next gear. Just as the bout was getting going, it abruptly ended with the trouble in paradise. WWE Championship matches need more time to develop. Okay, so that's what ESPN had to say about it, and I happen to agree with that. You know what I mean? If you were watching this match very closely, you can tell that it was just starting to reach the high moments of the match, and then it almost felt like it was out of nowhere. Kofi Kingston hit that trouble in paradise to Samoa Joe, and really it just it ended the match, obviously, and he hit that one, two, three, and he won. So it felt like we were missing out on what could have possibly been such a huge victory because the match was like, not cut short, but it was really rushed in my opinion. So therefore, it's going to get a 4 out of 5 from Next up, we have the Winners Take All Extreme Rules Tag Team Match for the Universal Championship and Raw Women's Championship. We had Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch versus Baron Corbin and Lacey Evans. Rollins and Lynch defeated Corbin and Evans in this Winners Take All match. One match, two titles, and Extreme Rules. As if there wasn't enough already going on in the Winner Take All main event of the night, a looming and hungry beast was out there. You'll get that later. <laughs> Earlier in the night, Paul Heyman teased of a Brock Lesnar cash-in on one of the two top championship matches. He was nowhere to be seen after Kofi Kingston beat Samoa Joe. Would Lesnar set his sights on the Universal title? We'll get to that next. There was a lot to like about this match. The spots were creative and well executed. It was a bit long, but overall, this was a good main event. Okay, listen, I do agree with ESPN saying that the match was a bit long, but you had kendo sticks involved, you had tables involved, people literally, you had people literally being beat with kendo sticks, you had people going through tables, so maybe it was long, but when you have all of this action, you just kind of forget about the time part of it. You just watch the action, you watch the entertainment unfold. Now, with that being said, this match easily gets a solid 5 out of 5 from me, because all four of these competitors really brought something new to the table. All four of these people in the match really brought a whole new level of energy into the ring. You had Baron Corbin and Lacey Evans. Their heel persona really got a reaction from us. You know, absolutely. And then you have Becky Lynch and uh, Seth Rollins. Obviously, they are in a relationship, but... They were both so well-coordinated in the ring. You have two, I'm going to say, two of the top WWE wrestlers right now going head-to-head -head against two, two really good heels, you know what I mean? So with that being said, you're going to get a lot of good action and good entertainment here in this match. With that being said, time didn't really matter for me because it was entertaining, and the entertainment part is all that matters. Therefore, once again, it gets a solid 5 out of 5 from me, easily 100%. Next up, and last, finally, in this pay-per-view, we have the Money in the Bank contract cash-in between Brock Lesnar and Seth Rollins. Brock Lesnar, unfortunately, beat Seth Rollins to obtain the Universal Championship. Immediately after Seth Rollins pinned Baron Corbin, Brock Lesnar, flanked by Paul Heyman as he walked down the ramp, entered the ring and engaged with Rollins. After he hit not one, but two German suplexes, Heyman handed the briefcase over to the referee, and the match was made official. Lesnar immediately hit an F5 and pinned Rollins to win the Universal Championship, the title he has held for 659 days already. 
Alright, so this was a bit of, not a bit of, this was a huge emotional moment for so many people. You know, you have people on social media, literally, if you saw the reaction videos, it would just make you laugh, but people on social media were really voicing their sadness when this happened, but listen, I was obviously sad because you saw Becky Lynch. Becky Lynch, you know, it made her look like she was crying, they had Seth Rollins really feeling down and sad, so really... It got a lot of emotion from us. So, as much as I hate to say this, that was a very good way to get emotion out of us. That that was a good tactic. It worked. Now, with that being said, there's a lot that can happen in the future, especially because Brock Lesnar is the new champion. What's the route he's going to take next? Is Seth Rollins going to come back for that title? Or is Brock Lesnar going to have a, a title match with somebody else? You know, who knows? Moving on from the topic of Extreme Rules, we'll discuss SummerSlam, WWE's summertime pay-per-view taking place in about a week. Now, as I mentioned before, this match card is subject to change, meaning that either existing matches will be changed and altered, or more matches will be added to the final card. Therefore, keep in mind that this is not the final match card. All of the following information about this pay-per-view that I'm about to say is directly from CBS Sports, so a huge thank you goes out to them. Alright, so starting off, we have for the Universal Championship, Brock Lesnar versus Seth Rollins. Now, as I just said, I did just say, well, what if Brock Lesnar is going to take a different, you know, turn and not go against Seth Rollins? Now, Seth Rollins is coming back for that Universal Championship, meaning that either Seth Rollins is going to become the champion once again, or Brock Lesnar is going to beat him and retain the championship title. I can't really predict that right now, because... There is so much potential for this match and the outcome that I'm not quite sure where WWE is trying to take this. However, at Extreme Rules, Lesnar earned three-time Universal Champion status when he cashed in his Money in the Bank contract on the man who took the title from him in the WrestleMania 35 opener. Positioned for now as the top babyface on Raw, the Beast Slayer earned the right to challenge Lesnar the very next night on Raw when he won a 10-man battle royal. The opening match of WrestleMania 35 will now be run back at SummerSlam, this time likely in the main event. Next up, we have the WWE Championship match between Kofi Kingston, the current champion, versus Randy Orton. Kingston was afforded the opportunity to choose his own challenger for SummerSlam, and he wasted no time in calling out a familiar foe he has storied history with in Orton. What's incredible about this feud is the fact that they're firmly tying in everything that went down in 2009 between these two, which will, without question, make this program all the more enjoyable over the next several weeks. And for the United States Championship, AJ Styles, the current champion, versus Ricochet. These two have unsurprisingly put on some terrific matches of late. Styles took the U.S. title from Ricochet at Extreme Rules with some assistance from the club, and Ricochet was able to earn this rematch by emerging victorious from a gauntlet match on Raw. This particular match has show-stealing potential come SummerSlam if given the proper amount of time. Next in line, we have the Raw Women's Championship match between Becky Lynch, the current champion, versus Natalia. This is a submission match. It was clear Lynch needed to move on from Lacey Evans, so there was a fatal four-way elimination match held on Raw to determine her next challenger. We'll actually get to that match later on in this podcast episode as well. Natalia emerged victorious from that match and had some words with her friend afterwards. 
These two have been getting the better of each other since, and while Natalia teased challenging Lynch to a submission match, it's clear the stipulation will be added soon. Moving on, we have for the SmackDown Women's Championship, Bayley, the current champion, versus Ember Moon. If we thought the Raw Women's title match at SummerSlam was a bit out of left field, then how about this one on the blue brand? Well, after teaming together on SmackDown, Bayley went ahead in the middle of the ring to offer Moon a title shot, which, of course, she quickly accepted. I'd be surprised, though, if Charlotte Flair isn't added to this match in the coming weeks. Next up, we have Charlotte Flair versus Trish Stratus. Flair said that she wanted the opportunity to prove that she's the best of any era, so she laid down a challenge to women also considered by some to be the greatest female performer of all time. When it comes to dream matches nowadays, especially in the women's division, it truly doesn't get any bigger than this, and is Stratus's hometown of Toronto, no less. Next up, we have Roman Reigns versus Mystery Attacker. On SmackDown, Reigns was set to close the show by issuing a challenge to someone for a SummerSlam match. He was never able to make that announcement, however, as he was attacked walking through the backstage area while making his way to Kayla Braxton. Given recent events, the assumption will be that the attacker is Samoa Joe, but you never know what could be up their sleeve, and I agree with that. Moving on, we have Kevin Owens versus Shane McMahon. However, if Owens loses, he has to quit WWE. One of the top and best storylines going on in the company right now will come to a head at SummerSlam. After weeks of back and forth, Owens laid down the challenge to McMahon for the match in Toronto, and that challenge was quickly accepted. Owens' star as babyface continues to shine brighter and brighter each week, so bringing an end to Shane McMahon's reign of terror at SummerSlam would be a huge step in the right direction. Next up, we have The Fiend, Bray Wyatt versus Finn Balor. Wyatt targeted Balor upon his long-awaited return, and two weeks later, Balor presented the challenge. Wyatt, from the Firefly Funhouse, accepted on behalf of his demonic alter ego. With Balor reportedly set to take some extended time off in the near future, this match likely may not feature an appearance from Balor's demon persona. Though you never know, WWE may be so hell-bent on getting this new Wyatt character over that he could be the first one to hand Balor's respective alter ego a loss, making Balor's impending return after vacation all the more intriguing. Second to last match on this pay-per-view card, we have The Miz vs. Dolph Ziggler. The rivalry between these two has really heated up in recent weeks, even seen the legendary Shawn Michaels get involved. This was announced on social media as a one-on-one -on -one match at SummerSlam, though one has to believe it'll just be the first of a few, as Miz and Ziggler will continue to be at each other's throats. And I agree with that one as well. Last but finally not least, we have Sami Zayn versus Aleister Black. With Cesaro having been disposed of, Black returned to delivering this cryptic pre-tape promo on SmackDown Live. It didn't take long for his request for an opponent to be granted this time, however. Zayn said that he has plans to end the hype that is Aleister Black at SummerSlam, giving us a match on the card that no one really saw coming. Okay, alright, next up we have Charlotte Flair and her rather surprising return to SmackDown Live, and what this may mean for her. She returned on SmackDown Live's July 16th episode, which is basically around two weeks ago. But she returned to face Liv Morgan, who has recently been working as a singles performer, apparently no longer part of the Riot Squad. With that being said, there is potentially a feud boiling up for the two of these women. However, it should also be noted that Charlotte Flair had a match with Ember Moon as well, so that mixes things up a little. 
Either way, there, there are a lot of stuff that can be done for Charlotte here. There are different routes for her. One with Ember Moon, and one with Liv Morgan. Okay. After Trish Stratus and Charlotte Flair go for their match at SummerSlam, I feel like Charlotte Flair is going to go for Liv Morgan next. Because Liv Morgan hasn't really been seen. Um, actually, she hasn't been seen for a couple of uh, months, if I'm correct. So, having Liv Morgan go against none other than Charlotte Flair. Just imagine how good that match would be. So, with that being said, I'm really excited for After SummerSlam to see how this is going to turn out if WWE chooses to take this route. Next up on the list, it's time to discuss the intense and rather harsh criticism that the women received during a fatal four-way match on Raw a few weeks ago. I want to make this clear that I didn't watch that episode of Raw live because of the time difference. So for me, I found out about this match and its criticism after the episode aired. So I guess it was kind of a spoiler for me. But I did get to watch that match later on, but it was after the news of the crowd's reaction was spread throughout social media. Now I want to start off by saying that I'm a hardcore women's supporter in all sports, whether that be MMA, wrestling, soccer, football, whatever it may be. I support women all the way because of their hard work and constant persistence. Now with that being said, in the beginning when I heard of the crowd's reaction, I was really angry. Why? Because not only do the women work so incredibly hard to get to where they are, but that was the same arena where Evolution was held not even a year ago. The first ever all-women's pay-per-view was held in that same arena months ago, not even a full year ago. A couple months pass and this is how the crowd reacts to the women? It made absolutely zero sense to me. And I happen to think that quite a lot of other people on social media felt the same, because there were plenty of tweets from angry viewers, and some were even using the hashtag, hashtag GiveWWEWomenAChance, which is not a new hashtag, it's pretty well known. However, this is where things change up a bit. When I actually watched the match closely and noticed the small details in the actual performers themselves, there were some problems. Starting with Alexa Bliss. Now, I, I am a supporter of Alexa Bliss, so whatever I say from here on out about her, please do not take this with offense. I'm just saying what I personally feel is correct, what I personally feel is right. I'm just saying my opinion, so if you don't agree, that's okay. If you disagree, that's okay. I respect that. But a lot of people had things to say about her in particular. Now, the people in the match were Bliss, Naomi, Natalia, and Carmella. And it should be noted that Nikki Cross was outside of the ring supporting Bliss during the whole match. Now, the reason a lot of people may have been calling out and maybe even booing Bliss could have been because for the majority of the match, Bliss wasn't even in the ring. The only time she was in the ring and actually wrestling was when, one, she took out Carmella, and two, when she had to face Natalia once all the other challengers were eliminated. Now, as for me personally, I got really annoyed by this. Yes, she just returned from an injury a while ago, and I understand that she might still have to take it easy, but she was really stretching it. I happen to think that Bliss being outside of the ring so much was probably one of the main things that got the crowd angry in the first place. But Bliss wasn't just the only reason, and she wasn't the only problem here. However, that isn't that much of a surprise. Alexa has always been one to be outside of the ring a lot, whether it be during matches that she is or isn't part of. 
And now since she has Nikki Cross by her side, all of her dirty work is being done by Cross. Now in the end of the match, Natalia defeated Bliss to face Becky Lynch at SummerSlam, which we discussed, for the Raw Women's Championship. However, I have to admit that it does not matter what Bliss did that night. It really doesn't. Because the crowd was just really disrespectful. That was not a reason whatsoever to boo and disrespect the women like that during their match. Now, in my opinion, you shouldn't really boo the performers or the match during the actual match. It can really throw off the performers a lot. Now, I hate to say this, but I feel like that's what social media has been used for nowadays. And like I said, social media has turned into that place where everyone voices their negativity. And though it sucks that social media has turned into this, unfortunately, it is what it is. So, to conclude this topic, the women did not deserve that. The arena where evolution was held disrespected women. How is this even possible? In this day and age where women were making such a huge name for themselves, why do they still get booed in such an arena with history behind it regarding the women? You know what I mean? I'll leave it at that, but the women didn't deserve that. Because the match, if you ask me, the match wasn't even that bad despite a couple of problems here and there. But anyway... Finally, we've reached the final topic of today's episode, Raw Reunion. The, quote, biggest Raw episode yet, as advertised by WWE, took place about three or four weeks ago. So, these are the following superstars who attended this iconic episode, courtesy of WrestleZone. Alright, so first up, we had John Cena, then we had Rikishi, Devon Dudley, Hulk Hogan, Jimmy Hart, Booker T., Caitlin and Tori Wilson, Alicia Fox, Santino, Godfather, Boogeyman, Pat Patterson, Christian, Lillian Garcia, Jillian Hall, Eve Torres, Eric Bischoff, Ron Simmons, Gerald Briscoe, Kelly Kelly, Kurt Angle, Candice Michelle, Melina, Alendra Blaze, Jonathan Coachman, Rob Van Dam and Sergeant Slaughter, The Hurricane, Ric Flair, Ted DeBias, Jerry Lawler, D-Generation X's Shawn Michaels and Triple H, Road Dogg, Scott Hall, Kevin Nash and Sean Waltman, Mark Henry and Mick Foley, and the ultimate toast to WWE Raw, starring Hulk Hogan, Steve Austin, and Ric Flair. Okay, with all of that being said, a lot of WWE legends and superstars that a lot of us actually grew up watching attended the show. I have to agree with WWE's advertising for this episode, because it really was the biggest Raw episode, I have to say, to date. It was just a moment where the present time didn't really matter. It was just a time where everyone can get together, put aside their differences and personal opinions on wrestling, and just enjoy the show and the superstars featured in it. I thought it was a great way for WWE to just take a quick break from what's happening currently and just have a blast, have a fun time. And really, I love the show. It was like the older days when all of the past WWE superstars would get together and just put on a huge show for us. Now, of course, we still saw a lot of the current superstars who were on the main roster. However, a lot of the attention and focus was put on the legends who showed up for this incredible night. However... I couldn't help but notice that there weren't any real women's matches, matches that actually counted. If not for an, an actual championship, then at least a women's match with meaning. We didn't really get that at all. 
Yes, we did see both male and female WWE legends, but really the women were only seen either backstage, partying, drinking, or just eating catering. Now, it should be noted that a few women won the WWE 24-7 championship, and this was a shocker for quite a lot of people, because the women who won the 24-7 title that night were the first ever women to ever win that championship. It should also be noted that R-Truth is still the current champion now, though, so each of the women who won the title that night never really got to keep it for a long time, not even for an hour at most. But back to the topic of not having a lot of meaningful women's matches. If you look at the list of superstars who attended that episode, there was so much potential for women's matches. For example, you could have had a legend versus another legend, or you could have had a legend versus a current superstar, maybe even a superstar who is a champion right now. There was a lot that could have been done for the women here, and that's what gets me a little annoyed. The fact that there was so much talent that showed up that night, but the creative team, and Vince McMahon, did not utilize that talent correctly. It goes back to the topic that women are still not being treated equally in the business. There's still so much that can be done for these female superstars that is not being done right now. And I know I might say this all the time, that women have come such a long way and that they really made a name for themselves, but there is always room for improvement. Not only for the female superstars, but also for the male superstars as well. So, though it was an absolutely exceptional episode, there was so much more that could have been done for these superstars, male and female. Now, with all of that being said, aside from the issue with the women, I would love to see another episode like this one. But, perhaps with more women's matches in action featuring the female superstars. Maybe a Smackdown Live reunion? <laughs> I don't know. But to wrap up this topic, I would like to say that once again, it was a really great episode, filled with lots of talent and past and present superstars who shaped the WWE to what it is today. You know, of course, I'm really keeping my fingers crossed that these women will get the chances and matches that they truly deserve, but until then, we can only use our voices to make that happen. You know, start a hashtag, tag WWE. Tag Triple H, tag Stephanie McMahon, tag Vince, maybe even tag those superstars that you want to see more often. Because the WWE Universe, us, we made the WWE what it is today. And the WWE Universe, us, can change the WWE. We need to make that change happen, guys, all of us. But to conclude this episode, once again, I want to thank you all for coming back every single Friday. Although there were no past episodes for a couple of weeks because of me being on vacation, I truly appreciate you all for coming back and listening. It really means so much to me. New episodes will return to airing every Friday at 12 a.m. Eastern Time to Messy, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts, so stay tuned for those. Next week's episode will actually be three days after my birthday, so it'll be a fun one. Follow my Instagram and Twitter at WWE the Man Becky, no spaces or capital letters, and the official podcast Twitter account at Rope Talk Podcast. With that being said, don't forget to head to audibletrial.com slash the Rope Talk Podcast for three free audiobooks, and I'll see you all next Friday. Have a great week. Bye, guys.